0: Our second reading of scripture this morning, which will be the focus for our meditation today, comes to us from Paul's letter uh, to the Hebrews. So you can find that in Hebrews 10, chapter 10, verses 11 to 14 and 19 to 25 in your pew uh, pew Bibles, or again, if you're uh, here in person on the back of your bulletin, insert as well. Let us listen now to God's holy word. And every high priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since then he has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new way of living that he opened up for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he has promised for he who has promised is faithful and let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Recently, I don't watch much uh, TV, but there are some shows that I've picked up on. And recently, one of the latest shows I finished Watching was uh, was one on Apple TV, and it was this show called uh, Ted Lasso. Don't know if any. Yeah, okay. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Well, for those who don't know what Ted Lasso is about, it's a comedy. I'm, and I'm going to botch this, friends. I'm not great at describing TV shows. It's sort of like a comedy drama with sports thrown into the mix, and it's a show about an American um, an American football coach named Ted Lasso who finds himself coaching a football club in England. That's a play on words, since over there they call football, or, you know, our soccer is their football. If you just want a little sample of the kind of humor that's in this show, uh, one of the lines is is this. Uh, someone asked, what does a British owl say? Whom, whom, not who, who? <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of humor that's in it, so just, just to give you a sample. But there's a scene in this show um, in, the, in the in one of the seasons that I think is important, and it's where the team is gathered in the locker room, and they're really they're about to play a really important match, and everyone's just sort of down and out. And here you have Ted Lasso, this coach, come in with his sort of midwestern optimism, and he gives them this pep talk. He tells them this. So I hear you all have a phrase that I ain't too crazy about. It's the hope that kills you. You all know that? I disagree, you know? I think it's the lack of hope that comes and gets you. See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Now, I'm not going to spoil how that match goes. You can go check that out for yourself. But the point is, uh, this... Sort of quote from Ted Lasso in his pep talk resonates with what we find in our reading from Hebrews today. As the author of this letter is also lifting up exaltations, lifting up encouragement that's meant to have us not give up on hope. The first of these exaltations we find towards the end of the passage where we see that the author says approach God or approach worship with a true heart. Because up to this point, the author of this book has dedicated a large portion of their time to show how Christ has made us worthy or capable or shown us what we are already capable of in terms of coming before God. Christ has offered himself as the, as we hear in the reading, as the perfect sacrifice Therefore, our bodies and our spirits are made whole, and we are able to come before God and carry on in the work of the high priest. Now, that sounds good on paper, (laughs) but if you're like me, you might be a little hesitant about truly believing that Christ has made us able to come before God as we are. Now I say that because I know that there's things that I've said or things that I've I've maybe done that I think oh my goodness if Jesus really did look inside my heart what would he find <laughs> And I sometimes think of, of this picture uh, this little meme, when I ask that question, and perhaps we ask ourselves that question. Now, that's, this is a picture of St. Jude. It's not Jesus. But it's, you know, it's the meme of what would Jesus, you know, we invite Jesus into our hearts, and what does he see inside? And, and the, the saint's face or Jesus' face there is, like, shocked, like, oh, my goodness. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I sometimes feel that way. I feel hesitant or embarrassed in the way that this meme captures But what the author of this passage is saying to us today is that that's all wiped clean. Christ has opened the life way for us to come so we can approach God with hearts that are true, hearts that are open to come and serve. Because regardless of whatever Jesus finds, he beckons us to come. Come with a heart that is open to worship, a heart that is open to growing. A heart that is open to all these things, friends, so that we can come and worship, be filled, and then go out with a joyful heart to serve. This sort of second part of the author's pep talk or talk on hope is lifted up in this second exaltation where we hear these words, hold fast to the confession of our hope. Oh boy. (laughs) I feel like when we often hear these kind of talks or when we hear this kind of wording to hold fast to a confession or a tradition, it's like, okay, great. That just means I'm supposed to do what everyone's done before me and there's no room for change. But that's not the point that Paul is trying to make in this portion of the text. For us to hold fast to our confession, to hold fast to our tradition of hope, is not meant to constrain us. Instead, it's meant to reveal the hope of what we profess as people of God. When we confess, we state what we believe, and we confess, we lift up, we state what we are willing to put at stake for something that we genuinely hold close to our hearts. Our confession is not a set-in-stone source of tradition that can never be altered because it is a source of ever-growing, ever-evolving hope that is not founded on words alone. Because while we do pass on in our oral tradition and our written tradition things that are important to our faith, we have a history of ancestors as well who have revealed the ways in which God has fulfilled the promises made to us and continues to remain faithful. By calling women and men and people of all walks of life to be something more than they thought they could ever be. Now, it may not always feel as though God is with us on that walk. It may feel like we're doing parts of it alone. But we're not alone. As we profess, as the author says, a belief, a confession of hope, based on a trust that God is with us and that the great cloud of witnesses, those who are gathered here in this room and the saints of heaven, are with us every step of the way. As we profess a belief and hope based on our understanding of scripture and the people of God, God has called us to be, where do you see yourself? in the unfolding, liberating confession, tradition, and divine hope. That brings us to this third exaltation that we find in our reading for today. The part that lifts up, consider how to provoke one another to love and do good deeds, you know the rest of that. This final exaltation from the author of Hebrews, I think, really hits home for us today and brings us back to that earlier quote from Ted Lasso, particularly the part where he says it's the lack of hope that will come back to get us. Because I don't know about you, but if you were to look around, even... I don't know, this past election cycle or the one before that. You pick whatever time you want. But I think it's clear that if we looked around, we certainly do see what happens when we don't spur one another on or provoke one another on and hope and love to do good. When we see that there is that lack of trust, we can name the consequences of that in the ways that we have failed to love one another, to treat one another with respect and dignity. There's truth in that I think without hope, if we live without hope, it will come back to get us. Perhaps it's a lack of hope in ourselves that causes that. A lack of hope in others. Perhaps we've become just so jaded or cynical, we can't place our hope in others. Maybe it's even a lack of hope in God. Or maybe it's a combination of all these things. Either way, we can see that a lack of hope comes back to bite us in the proverbial you-know-what. But you know what? As the author encourages us to spur one another on, to provoke one another on, to love one another, to do, to provoke one another, to live out these things of God, the life way of God, as the author encourages us to do that, it's with the knowing and the faith that we can keep doing that because God doesn't give up on us. God keeps saying to keep going, keep pushing. Don't give up on hope. Don't give up on hope. And the author of our passage would agree, I think, with the sentiment of Lasso's belief that we should never give up on hope. Hope, our faith, so to speak, as well is what motivates us to and gives us the power to live into the fullness of the life that Christ has set before us, what Christ has envisioned for us. And this promise of hope is made even richer when we come together and worship, not just to benefit ourselves, but to benefit all those who are gathered here. We build one another up in our worship and give one another hope. Even if we think that what we offer isn't valuable because hopeful encouragement, even in its meekest form, has this potential to spark change that goes beyond our own belief. Friends, as we hear these words from the author of Hebrews. And as we continue on in a series of reflections on stewardship and discipleship, we are asked this day to consider how we are living out this message we hear about hope found in our reading. How are we coming before God with hearts that are true and earnest? How are we relying on our faith confessions, our traditions, while adding our own unique spark to the blazing fire that is meant to shine for generations to come? And how are we leaning into the practice of embodying an attitude of love and righteousness that not only benefits us, but it benefits all those who are around us in our worship? I don't expect you all to answer right now, but those are things for you to think about, obviously. Because I believe if we can answer these questions, we can cast a much clearer vision for who we want to be as a church and who we want to be as people created in the image of God who are following in the footsteps of our living Lord. Now, at this point, I I fear I'm overcomplicating things. So I'll end with the simple truth reiterated once more by our Midwestern friend who said, I believe in hope. Amen. Thanks again for listening. And we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at MayoPackChurch.org. Until next week, God bless.